Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Hey, everybody. Let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Welcome to the main event. I am your host, Troy, and with me, as always, is the mosh to my thrasher. What is up, Greg? What up? Our first show, you go to that. <laughs> well, I'm trying to stay topical, Greg. 
This is the first episode of Main Event Marks. We did a quick intro yesterday kind of explaining who we are, what we're about, all that good stuff. That is in the archives for yesterday. Definitely go check that out. It's only a 15-minute quick, uh, you know, you know what's happening kind of thing. And it'll explain kind of what, you're, what you should be in store for. Today we're not. We might make some of uh, some obscure references. I'm not quite sure. You know, uh, we don't rehearse any of this, guys. We just kind of hit the mic and go. But we do have notes. So there's that. Uh, Greg and I are what I would consider walking wrestling encyclopedias, and I, I consider myself a wrestling uh, walking wrestling encyclopedia with some of the pages torn out because stuff I've just either blocked out of my memory or stuff I've forgotten. And you usually remind me, it's like, yeah, don't you remember when blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Oh my gosh. But I tried not to, but thanks a lot. You jerk. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've done that oh, to you man. a few times too. And you're like, uh, that's you exactly lying? word for word. What I say to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you so jerk. we're, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna have a lot of fun with that. Remembering some of the stuff that we may have forgotten. And we're going to cover all the news and notes from around this time in history before we actually dive into the show itself. This is for Bush Gardens Williamsburg. Spot titled BGW slash 21 slash census slash SN slash July 4th slash save up to 40% slash FC slash tickets slash radio. It's a 30 second spot and the code is VBGW021039R. Nothing ignites your senses like the European adventures and world-class thrills of Busch Gardens Williamsburg. Hear the gravity-defying drops and speed of our record-breaking coasters. See the world's most beautiful theme park as you stroll through our elegantly themed villages. And treat all your senses to the live concerts, nightly fireworks and coasters in the dark at Summer Nights, June 25th to July 29th. Save up to 40% on tickets and fun cards. Hurry, offer in soon. Restrictions apply. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Are you ready for these... uh some of these news and notes, Greg. Ready as I can be. All right. Well, unfortunately, we, we have to start off the the news. Um, I guess we don't have to start it off this way, but I'm, I sorted it out this way. We're starting off on kind of a down note on the news because we're in June of 1998. The junkyard dog died this month in a car accident driving home from his daughter's high school graduation. Do you remember that news dropping um, I do. Yeah, I was. A, uh, I was a little hit me a little hard because I was a huge fan. of was almost a kid. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and it's sad that he was driving home from his daughter's high school graduation. Well, it, it gets worse because apparently dog arrived several hours late after the graduation had already ended and his daughter had already left with friends. So he never even saw her before he died. That's kind of rough. Uh, she didn't, uh, and, and his daughter didn't find out until the next morning that he had even attempted to come to the graduation. 
and she also learned of his death at the same exact time. Bad stuff. Uh, and I guess from what Jim Ross had said, his daughter was not like an easy person to track down. Because if you remember when he went into the Hall of Fame posthumously, um, they got his daughter to show up and accept the, the award for him. Do you, do you remember what, what year that or what WrestleMania that was that he went in? <clears throat> that was uh, WrestleMania 20, I believe. That's when they brought back the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he said he said they had the darnest time tracking her down. And when they finally did, they were like, OK, well, we want to get your your personal information, whatever, because your dad has a lot of like royalty checks that we want to send to you because right now we're just sitting on his money and we, you know, fair is fair. You deserve, you know, what's what's coming to you from from your dad's stuff. So that was that was pretty cool on WWE's part um, later on. Uh, another bad story. This is somewhat wrestling related and you'll see why. Um, I don't know if you would have been tuned into the news about this at this time or not. It's from your neck of the woods. Uh, an elementary school in California was defaced with racist graffiti and Nazi symbols. And amidst all the hateful graffiti, the vandals also spray painted 316 and NWO for life. That's giving away their age, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, they probably went to that school. What grown man or per- woman, I guess I shouldn't assume, but what grown person <laughs> right. is going to write that? <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, the, the most racist, hateful things you can possibly think of. By the way, wrestling references. Like, what? Well, it was the Attitude Era. Things were a little bit murky. Yeah, that to put it lightly. Yeah, was, uh, you know what's weird is in the Attitude Era, they didn't even have Nazis then, but they did back in the old days. Like, that was that was a thing. People forget, you know, they think, oh, Fritz Von Erich, he, you know, he was the father of the the, er- the Von Erich boys, and beloved in Texas, and he ran world-class championship wrestling. By the way, he started off as a Nazi character. Yeah. That's um, why his last name was Von Erich. Thus, um, playing into every Texan stereotype ever. <laughs> yeah, he, hey, he made a lot of money as a fake Nazi, okay? <laughs> not, I'm, I'm not defending Dude, him, just saying. say Heil Hitler, it'll be so over, bro. Bro, we got this idea, bro. Uh, ECW probably won't be back to Banaka, uh, Pennsylvania, I believe is how you pronounce it, anytime soon. A local priest attended uh, their last show. Oh, and, good grief. And, and then went on an anti-ECW crusade, writing letters to the local paper and throwing a fist to the venue's owners. So the building they were at has decided to no longer let ECW run shows there. Oh, Look, I'm, okay. sure were, I'm sure they were torn up about not going back to Monaca. I'm just saying, I don't think a pre-show we're going to an ECW show. Um, I mean, his, the only thing I can think of in his defense about it was well i keep hearing all this bad stuff maybe i should go see it for myself yeah what try to get the devil out of him maybe he went to see if it really was as bad as people were telling him it was i i did don't they, know I'm, did they I'm, really I'm crucify a man on tv yes that's probably what <laughs> uh yeah well this was yeah this was 98 i guess they had done that i think uh, it was in 96 when they did that yeah so 
Honestly, yeah. that's the first thing I thought about when you said Priest going ECW. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about 96, because I remember they had Kurt Angle in the audience, and he had just won the gold medal with a broken freaking neck. <laughs> and they didn't have Kane come out and Tombstone the Priest, so already a fail. So, <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, now that the NBA playoffs are over, WCW is expected to announce Hogan and Dennis Rodman versus DDP and Carl Malone at the upcoming Bash the Beach pay-per-view. This is around the same time that Rodman skipped out on practice to show up on Nitro. I believe you get references to that in the last dance, right? You do. You even get some footage, <clears throat> excuse me, some footage of it, too. Well, there you go. That's Rodman just crazy. Was- like, I'm thinking about, like, I mean, like, nowadays, I'm like, if, like... If someone was to, like, do that nowadays, they'd probably be fined, like, a trillion dollars. Yeah. Maybe suspended for few games, because that's where we are now in sports. You get suspended for any little thing or not punished I'm, enough for a big thing. One of the two. But <laughs> what do you uh, think? Uh, I mean, that, that'd be like, um, you know, the I'm going to make this reference because it's you. Uh, you know, the Warriors are in the, the, the finals and before. You know, game game four of the of the finals, you know, um, uh, Draymond Green just shows up on Raw and says, I'll practice some other time. That's that's funny because that that would be the one. (laughs) Yeah. And he's and he's setting up for a tag match player coming up at, uh, you know, SummerSlam or something like that. Yeah. Grief. Uh, Also, real quick, they would not allow that in today's NBA, like for an an athlete to go do another sport that's like a physical sport like that. Nope. So we're at a completely different time, too, like all around. Well, yeah, remember, I mean, this is obviously, you know, a different league. Um, but when Pac-Man Jones was in TNA as a tag team champion, by the way, he was not allowed to get physical at all. Yep. His only his only quote unquote physical move was he took a stack of money and threw it at somebody like he was at a strip club. Monopoly money <laughs> at that, it. too, by the way. Good Lord. Yeah, he, he made it rain on on some poor, unsuspecting soul. And then Ron Killings, a.k.a. R-Truth, rolled them up for the pin. Man, foreshadowing for the 24-7 title, right? Yeah, one of my favorite things in wrestling right now. You and I are vastly <laughs> different on that opinion. Ah, man. My, my thing is, I might like it more if there were less schoolboy roll-ups for, for the win. It's that's like, that's it, kind of why I like it, because it's just so stupid and random and well, it's like, can't we see the occasional small package? And I'm not talking about Rob Gronkowski. Oh, but I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I kid, but seriously, don't kill me, Gronk. Um, <laughs> WCW has a. Actually, after that joke, he might high five me because he he's he's on that level. WCW has a nitro scheduled for the Georgia Dome next month. And they already broke the company all-time gate record with the first-day ticket sales. 14,000-plus tickets were sold on the first day for over $540,000, which breaks the record set by Starcade this past December. And they didn't even have a main event set yet. (laughs) Yeah. Well, was this the... the, um, I'm getting my timelines mixed up here, but was this the the gold where Goldberg was beating Hogan... Yeah. Or the, the finger poke. No, that oh, is also in the George Dome, but that's in January of the next year. So about okay. five months away? Six months? Okay, so this was this was Goldberg versus Hogan main Hogan, event. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
the Charlotte Observer newspaper ran a story on the Ric Flair WCW issues. The current argument seems to be over whether Flair can be held to the letter of intent that he signed in 1997 when he agreed to stay with the company for three years. This was a big bone of contention. If people have, had, if, have listened to Eric Bischoff or, or Ric Flair talk about it, big stuff. And Bruce Pritchard even said that Flair was going to show up at um, some WWF pay-per-view with Reed, who had just won a wrestling, like a, like an amateur wrestling. I, I want to say that was fully loaded the next month. It might have been, yeah. Because he said, he said Flair, they were going to show Rick and Reed front row, and then the camera would pan over and say, well, we have a, a uh, wrestling champion in the crowd uh, named Flair, and then they would focus on Reed because he just won a <laughs> wrestling tournament. And Flair, yeah, that's the ultimate on- troll job. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and then they said they would interview Reed, and Rick would just be standing there like the proud father, or whatever, on camera, and just to just to piss off WCW. But uh, they, I guess, they said Rick was literally in the arena parking lot, make doing circles in his car on the phone with on, he was on one line with Bruce Pritchard and on the other line with his lawyer and his lawyer said, yeah, probably shouldn't do that. So they scrapped it, but that would have been good TV, man, or good pay-per-view or whatever. Uh, speaking of WCW, they have filed a lawsuit against the WWF and that is almost identical to the lawsuit that WWF filed against them in 1996. The suit alleges use of WCW trademarks, violating unfair trade practice uh, laws, and other such stuff. All of these seem to stem from the DX skit where they showed up at WCW events and aired the footage on TV. As a result of the lawsuit, WWF has stopped all references to WCW. I mean, by this point, WWF is kind of pulling away. So, you know, the old saying, when you're number one, you never mention number two. Yeah, but I think they were trading victories at the time of that quote invasion. The, yeah, they were. It was it was around this time when WWF was then quite pulled away yet, but they were they were in the driver's seat. Um, something that wasn't in the driver's seat here. Latest plans on Ultimate Warriors for him to debut in August or September in WCW. But again, that can all change depending on the ratings. If WCW keeps losing to the WWF, expect him to debut sooner. Yeah, they really, um, I don't know. They they really thought too much of what the Warrior could do for their ratings. I think. I mean, the, the night he debuted, I, you know, I, I jumped a little bit, but yeah, it, it it was like, it was like seeing somebody cross like like a race car. F- cross the finish line and you're like yes and then it bursts into flames and crashes into a wall and you're like what (laughs) and and then you keep watching because you're like what's gonna happen is he dead like that's the only thing i could think of because it starts off you're like oh my gosh the warrior's here it's going against the nwo hollywood hogan and then he keeps talking and you're like what am i watching and then it just keeps getting exponentially worse from there like you and I are going to have to cover the Warriors' time in WCW on this podcast. We just have to. I do have a figure of that Warrior. Uh, I have, I have a, a, a Jax and a Mattel figure of the Warrior 
Neither one are from WCW. Uh, I I do have one of you know when the warrior when the real warrior died and and a fake one came back. Ah yes, I have that one too. Yeah, look it up, people. It was a it was a rumor, believe it or not. Scott Hall will probably be back in about a month since he's back in rehab. That's I mean, is that really news in nineteen ninety? Spoiler: He will return at that Georgia Dome show. <laughs> yeah to, quote, take Goldberg to school. And oddly enough, that was the worst of Goldberg's two matches that night. (sighs) Horace Boulder, a.k.a. Hollywood Hogan's real-life nephew, Horace Hogan, recently signed with WCW. For some reason, I was thinking he was there before this. Apparently not. Uh, Speaking of people... I don't know. Like one Saturday night or something. I like how he was using Hulk Hogan's previous name, by the way, where he was Terry Boulder. So now he's he's Horace Boulder. Like, that's the family namesake. Yeah. Speaking uh, <laughs> <laughs> of which, this is Sorry. also the time when on, on Nitro, Mortis cut a promo saying that his new name is Canyon. And who better than Canyon? Uh, nobody except for Stone Cold Steve Austin. I guess. The real alliance. Real tagline. By the way. <laughs> yep. Lord. By the way, uh, speaking of Canyon, just a quick thing, since it is, you know, June and everything, uh, and thinking about his, his memory, unfortunately, he, he left us way too soon. Um, but uh, Shane Helms shared a, a, a screenshot of a, of a conversation. Do I, well, I guess it wasn't a screenshot. He, like, kind of transcribed the conversation between him and Canyon. And uh, Canyon texted him and said, hey, I got to tell you something. He said, yeah, sure. What is it? And he said, I'm gay. Does that bother you? And uh, Shane replied, I'm not. Does that bother you? Wow. <laughs> and Can- and Canyon replied, pop. That's the greatest response I've gotten so far. Thanks, buddy. Uh, a couple more news and notes here. Just hidden, he- uh, heading to the WWE side or WWF rather. Uh, WWF's Raw at Madison Square Garden was sold out uh, with nearly 20,000 people and a gate of nearly $400,000, which is the largest gate WWF has ever had in the U.S. for a non-pay-per-view show. Not shocked. It's at the GAD. And and here you go. Dan Severn is no longer wearing the NWA belt championship, pal. Championship, pal. He's no longer wearing it on TV. And they've stopped talking about his UFC credentials and instead only mention his college wrestling days. I... I mean, I was a kid at the time, but did you notice that or like, is this the first Look, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. I don't even remember him coming out with it. Like maybe he uh, did. And I just didn't realize it was a championship he was holding or something, but he, I don't remember it. He, yeah. He occasionally came out with the 10 pounds of gold, but yeah, I mean, as a kid, I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, what's that belt he's got, you know? Uh, I mean, as an adult, I, I, I want to you know, say I remember him carrying the UFC title. And that was another thing. UFC in 1998 was not UFC 10 years later. Like, it was kind of freak shows at the time, wasn't it? And I'm not saying I that about the had, people. I think they the had, um, I think they had already had divisions by 98, I think. Okay. 99 for sure. Um, but I think they had moved into divisions. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, I mean, but for anyone who doesn't know, the free shows are like the the matches where they have 150 pound guys like Hoist Gracie against 400 pound sumo wrestlers. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's why it was called a freaking show. Yeah, I'm not I'm it's not disparaging about the people in it, so don't give me hate. Uh, Dr. Death Steve Williams worked his final show in All Japan Pro Wrestling and won the match. He, along with William Regal, or then Steven Regal, and Edge are expected to debut soon from the WWF. One of these men will go on to greatness. One of these men is still on television, and one of these men uh, got a career-ending injury, went to WCW, <laughs> went back to Japan, unfortunately got cancer and passed away too soon. Guess who is who? <laughs> uh, and then finally, Matt and Jeff Hardy have been signed to WWF contracts. And they have been working as unsigned jobbers for quite a while. So this is the beginning of the Edge and Hardy era, man. That's freaking crazy. Like, you know, you're hearing a story. The Hardys, you know, the young Hardys have been signed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're talking about two Hall of Famers now. We're like, now we're in Edge, too, for that matter. Yeah, and all three of these guys are still wrestling, by the way. <laughs> it's it's nuts to think about. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. <sighs> <sighs> The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. But that does it for the news and notes. Are you ready to dive into King of the Ring itself? I think. Okay. No, wait, this uh, is a good event. I'm ready. Sorry. Okay. That's yeah. my response. It's um, horrible. <laughs> for the most part, yes, it was. A, I, I don't have. I didn't say great. I said good. <laughs> I don't just throw the word great around there like candy. Most of the this time. This is one of the more memorable of, of this time period. I will say that. I uh, might go you one better and say this is probably the most memorable for one reason, but we'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I bring this event up to my wrestling friends, and obviously they go to, you know, the cell. But there's other stuff that I, I was surprised. My my wrestling fan friends, uh, like one in particular, my friend Kyle, who's not, he's kind of like he consumes it and then he kind of forgets it and then he moves on to the next week. But this one, he specifically remembered the main event. And I did, too, for a reason I'll get into uh, as we go on. But King of the Ring 1998 took place June 28, 1998, from the Pittsburgh Civic Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The Igloo, where uh, it's going to sound weird with me saying it because I'm a Cleveland fan, but my Pittsburgh Penguins play there. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan because... Uh, you like you like Ohio State, but you don't like the professional hockey team that plays in the same city as Ohio State. Oh no, I do, I do, but I, I, mean, I support. That. I no, I am a I am a fan of the Blue Jackets. However, I growing up in northeastern Ohio, there were two teams that you could root for: the Detroit Tigers, or I'm sorry, Detroit Red Wings, and the Pittsburgh Penguins, and. I I went to the Penguins. My dad went to the Red Wings. 
at the time, I was like, okay, that's, I mean, for that time period, I'm okay with that. Because, you know, mm-hmm. the Red Wings screw them. But now the Red Wings suck and the Pittsburgh Penguins are, like, dominant. So screw you. Anyways. Well, <laughs> so I picked well, <laughs> I think. Well, it but, just shows uh, that you didn't jump on the bandwagon at the time, too. So I can kind of respect that. Because the yeah. Red Wings were, like, the team. So. Yeah. Uh, well, that was always when we played NHL games. He picked the Red Wings. Usually I would pick the Colorado Avalanche because they were like the second best team on most NHL games. Uh, so, you know, I wanted to be able to compete. So, but uh, I still like the Penguins. Uh, but the attendance was 17,087. Not quite a sellout, but close. Uh, the paper. I don't think anyone was complaining about 17,000 tickets sold, though. <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> Well, and the pay-per-view buy rate was a 1.1. That means that 310,000 people ordered this pay-per-view. Not bad. 310,000, that's that's not bad. King of the Ring was one of the big five at the time. Um, you know, but I don't know. I, I, I think that was a pretty respectable buy rate at that time. I don't know. Well, it would be a lot better now because of, like, the age of people streaming stuff. But oh, back then, it was probably amazing. I mean, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. But just looking at numbers now, like, like you know, real quick, AEW recently did 100,000, which they called, like, amazing. And I was like, you oh, know, back yeah. then, that'd be crap. So I just, you know, our... Yeah, that we're was at, like 2,000 WCW numbers. Well, like Eric Bischoff had brought up the difference. He said... The numbers we were pulling in in 2000, we we were like, my gosh, we're dying. Today, people would kill for those numbers. Yeah, it's and he's that's not crazy. wrong. Yep, yeah, it's so it's so weird with all the streaming services. You I, personally, I haven't watched Raw or SmackDown on television in uh, years. I'm not even joking. Years. The last time I tuned no, into anything. That's my point, oh, though, good. too. It's like right there. It's like people are consuming it. It's just not being shown. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. AEW is pulling in like, what, 975,000 on average. Guarantee you at least oh, two or three yeah. million people are seeing it. It's just yeah. not being reflected. You know, I mean, and I know like right. advertisers aren't going to look at it like that, but that's what it is. Right. Uh, the stipulation of the main event. Let's get into that because it's going to start in an ongoing joke that you and I like to bring up or a callback, whatever that you and I use in our real life. Sometimes the stipulation of the main event is that if Kane does not win the WWF title against Stone Cold Steve Austin in the first blood match, he will set himself on fire. Because that makes sense. And Bruce, this is the ongoing joke because Bruce Pritchard said that, uh, when talking to Vince Russo about the idea, he's like, well, what is he going to do? He's like, bro, he's going to set himself on fire. Then he's gone forever, bro. <laughs> then he said, well, he's covered from head to toe. How is he going to make him bleed? Bro, he could slit his throat, bro. <laughs> These are real statements. Real statements. Real statements. A man. A grown man, not a child. Or a prepubescent teen or something like that. No, this is a this is a grown man saying this stuff. Oh, There's a lot of Russo bashing on the show, so send all your hate to us. 
at main event underscore marks on Twitter and Instagram. But anyway, I also need to point out, I don't really hate Russo. I hate his writing. I don't judge him as a person. I'm talking specifically about Vince Russo in wrestling. Look, he is a person. I think he's a complete idiot. I've heard he's charming, which is, you know, fine. But, you know, a lot of people going to be charming doesn't mean they're great people. I don't know. I, I've, I've heard things he has said in and out of wrestling. He just, to me, he strikes me as a complete blithering moron. But full disclosure, I've never met the man. So, I you know, whatever. Well, because of this, this stipulation, there are gas cans all around ringside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a thing. That'll come into play later. Not to jump ahead. Uh, the first match on the card, because if you want to start off hot, man... It's the headbangers of Mosh and Thrasher with Takamishinoku taking on Kayentai, which is Funaki, Men's Teao, and Dick to uh, Dick, I almost called him Dick to go. <laughs> Dick Freudian Togo. Slip. The first Freudian slip yeah. of our new podcast. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Funaki, Men's Teao, and uh, Dick, Dick Togo versus, or with Yamaguchi-san in their corner. Uh, this match only lasted for six minutes, 45 or 44 seconds. Thank God. Six minutes too uh, long. But... Th- okay. Can, maybe, I don't know if you remember at the time. Maybe you can explain to me. First of all, Taka comes out dressed as one of the headbangers, and then he takes it off, and he's got his regular outfit on. Uh, but Kai and Tai is dressed like rejected 90s rap, like a rejected 90s rap group. You know That's why? just how they looked. That's just how they looked. I don't know why. I don't. I remember Yamaguchi-san always wearing a, a suit, though, because I remember. Oh well, no! I mean, I mean, like they were feuding with the Headbangers, and that was the anti-punk rock oh. thrash stuff they were doing. So Kai and Tai. You know, I guess the oddities weren't ready yet. I don't know. Well, Greg, I fondly remember that you know beloved '90s rap group consisting of only Japanese men. <laughs> that was the. Uh, that was the introduction to K-pop, which is huge now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, it's J-pop, Greg, because they're from Jap- Japan. I, I stand corrected. My apologies. You apologize to all those weirdos on Twitter. Uh, but, yeah, this just and, – and what happened with Taka? Because I know he was part of Kai and Tai, wasn't he? Yeah, he is. So... He turned on Val Venus. When Valvina slept with that girl, it was Yamaguchi-san's wife, and he said it was his sister. Yeah. Well, even looking, why? even looking back, I'm like, I don't even know why that was a heel turn. I don't, I didn't see Taka gaining, uh, getting less popular. I don't, I don't understand it. But well, was did Taka? So at this point, Taka had never been a point of Kaintai or a part of Kaintai. I think he joined him like a couple, like maybe a month before. Uh. Because I know well, he was like a face at WrestleMania 14, so. Yeah. I don't remember the month, but, against, but, you know. So he's against them here. Uh, I know that. Um, yeah, I oh, he's against them here. That's right. Kai and Tai was freaking weird. He's about That's to. That's all I can say. Sorry. Uh, men, I, I think, I think it was Men's Teow, by the way, had another name in ECW, because they were, these guys were in ECW, uh, well, Men's Teow and Dick, uh, Dick Togo were there. But Men's Teow, I think, was called Terry Boy in ECW. So if anybody yeah. remembers that. I think this was part of like a trade agreement with ECW. Yeah. It's, uh, 
Why these guys? My, I don't know, but my my thinking looking back at it, the bolster the light heavyweight division, but I don't. Do you have a Taka figure, by the way? Because I don't. I do not. Mattel's never made one, to my knowledge. No. I only do Mattel, by the way, but. No. Well, because Jax Jax had a Taka figure, and I wish, looking back, I wish I would have got one. I, I know it's a random, like, why, but. No, no. When people see your collection, that's not random at all. It's in keeping. So, when I finally get my stuff out of a storage unit, and I and I, you know, get my stuff back to you know where it should be, um, then I will. Uh, I'll take some pictures and some videos, kind of pull out some obscure ones, and show people what I got. But anyway, in the end of this match, Taka pinned Funaki after hitting a Mishinoku driver. Now, Uncle Davey Meltzer rated this two and one fourth stars. I'm using Meltzer's ratings only because his are the only ones publicly available. If you don't, you know, you can find also, them. I think to be fair back then, he was the only one that, and I use this term loosely, like very, very loosely. The only one that mattered. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, there was Bruce Mitchell and Wade Keller. Uh, I'm Keller. You can find him. I think if you dig hard enough, but I, I didn't feel like digging that deep. Uh, but Dave's ratings are everywhere, and he is obviously the the, the top dog in, in the dirt sheet world. Uh, but he rated it two and a fourth star. I rated it just two stars. Did I mean, what did you think of this uh, thing? I'm going to say one. I hated it. Sorry. I was like, I didn't think it was horrible. I watched all the pay-per-views, like, by the way, for this podcast. I will watch them all the way through. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm like, I want to fast forward this. Yeah. But. yeah. I just, I didn't like it. This, well, this match I felt was, um, I mean, what, what, what can you really do in under seven minutes? I mean, give me a break. Uh, It was a comedy match. I'm like, who's in it? You know, but yeah, I know not much comedy, Uh, but that's what it was intended to be. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're trying to pump the crowd up next because Sable comes out to the ring for a promo and the crowd just blows for her in more ways than one. Uh, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> but before she can speak, however, uh, by the way, Sable in 1998, her cups runneth over. That's all I can say. Gotta make roll, the first... A roll tie was she looking, huh? Oh, good lord. She was pouring her heart out for all of us to see. But uh, before she can speak, um, Vince McMahon's theme hits... And Vince comes out with the Stooges, uh, Pat Patterson, Gerald Briscoe. They tell her to get lost. And then when she goes to get out of the ring, Pat touches her butt. She turns around and smacks the crap out of him. Something tells me she was okay with that. But anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, hmm. But but then Vince goes on to tell the fans. They had to have Pat do it, right? (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. So it was less threatening. I don't know. But Vince goes on to tell the fans what they already know, that they are big disappointments to their parents. And he's probably right there in Pittsburgh. Should I should I not say? <laughs> but uh, he's a Browns fan, he folks. He does not like Pittsburgh. Let's just get that out there. Yeah. I mean, not that I do, but I probably just right. dislike it like less than he does. <laughs> right. But then he pumps up the main event between Kane and Austin, saying that Kane will definitely beat Stone Cold. This was, you know, right smack dab in the middle of the McMahon-Austin feud. Uh, okay, this next quick, match, not, to, not to be that fan, but 
not to be that fan, but this pay-per-view, if you're watching it, if you're at this part, you've already bought the pay-per-view. What's the point uh, of hyping up the match on the card you've already spent your money on? It seems like something that could have happened on Sunday Night Heats. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah, this segment was just a way to... Because Sable, and I hate, I hate WWE. I mean, I haven't really paid attention to other, you know, promotional posters for other companies too much. But I think WWE is the biggest violator of this. Pisses me off. They'll put somebody on the pay-per-view poster who maybe has a cameo on the show. Yeah, right. Like Sable is front and center on the pay-per-view poster next to a guillotine. Why? She came out. She didn't even speak. She walked to the ring, grabbed a mic, turned around, smacked Pat I'll, Patterson I'll, and left. I'll tell you why. To sell the tape to adolescent teenagers. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there's that. Can't get a hold of your dad's playboys. So there you go. <laughs> This next match, though, was even worse in that segment. It was Ken Shamrock taking on Double J, Jeff Jarrett, and he had Tennessee Lee in his corner. Uh, this was a King of the Ring semifinals match and only got five and a half minutes. In the end, Shamrock hit Jarrett with a Frankensteiner and then forced him to submit with an ankle lock. It was kind of a cool transition, but then he, he, uh, he does this to advance to the finals of the tournament. Tennessee Lee then runs in, gets a belly-to-belly -belly suplex for his, you know, for good measure after the match. Uh, Uncle Dave gave it one star. I gave it one and a half because, I mean, five and a half minutes, they gave it a good effort. But eh, it was a five and a half minute match. What the hell can you do, right? Oh, I, I, I'll give it two stars only because it was meant to be fast. Yeah, giggity. <laughs> I don't know. I just I wasn't a big Jeff Jarrett fan. Still am not. Tennessee Lee, he tried, but yeah, I don't know. When you try, that was the world's greatest promoter. You shut your mouth. What the hell? Uh, I was, however, a big um, uh, Ken Shamrock fan. I have a uh, a Jack's figure of him. So, hey, we uh, I chatted with him in New Orleans. Remember at WrestleCon? <laughs> yeah, you got a picture. You got it with him for a. We long. had a long. Long chat, yeah, which is great. Yeah, hold on. Most down there to do, by the way. You ever go to a convention or something? Get a chance to meet him. I know he's like an MMA guy, but man, he is just like the coolest dude to talk to. Yeah, he seemed he seemed pretty cool. Yeah, he chatted with you about uh, Tito Ortiz and whatever else. So I told him I thought he was screwed in that Hoist Gracie fight, the the one in Bellator. That honestly probably shouldn't have happened, but I think he got screwed because he got hit in the nuts. But wow, <laughs> referee well, didn't see it. But you know, yeah. Oh dang, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see it either. So because <laughs> uh, I didn't watch. But anyway, the uh, the 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 next fight or match, not fight, but I guess I can call it that. It's got another UFC guy in it. The Rock took on Dan the B Severn in a King of the Rings semifinals match. This one only got four minutes, 25 seconds. Again, what the hell can you accomplish in that amount of time? They were teasing well, the chairs. I'm looking at it. I think they're saving all the time for the big matches. These these are literally the matches that don't matter. We're going to the finals. You know, that's what matters. So, yeah, but it's not to make an excuse for it, but that's like, all I can imagine. But this is just an attitude era trope, though, like short who gives a crap matches. Let's get to the story. 
And it's like, you know, the matches set up the story and the story sets up the matches. Like, come on. But they were teasing a potential Shamrock Severn finals here. Uh, that didn't happen only because neither one of them wanted to voluntarily job to the other one. Uh, there was. So I, I the, that was the explanation given by like Bruce Pritchard and others said neither one of them wanted to lose a fake fight to the other one when there was still potential money in a real fight. So I don't know. There was that. But uh, there's kayfabe heat between The Rock and Dan Severn only because uh, on the way to this match, Severn kayfabe injured D'Lo Brown in a tournament match. So he he kind of the, the storyline was he like tore D'Lo's pec muscles like off the bone. Yeah, which wouldn't so, heal for like two years, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they made him a tell figure of D'Lo and his chest protector. So. <laughs> He, he had would to not wear a face. ever heal. But... Yeah, he had to wear a chest protector, which was like his gimmick because he hit that that the low down um, frog splash, and he it was like, oh, well, he's got that chest protector. It makes it you know it makes it worse. Now we got Roman Reigns who walks around in Kevlar all the time. <laughs> uh, but uh, well, he doesn't do a frog yeah. splash though. So no. Uh, but in the end, Mark Henry distracted the referee and allowed D'Lo, with his chest protector on, to hit the lowdown on Severn, allowing The Rock to pin him in advance to the King of the Ring finals to meet Ken Shamrock. Uncle Dave gave this a negative half star. I gave it one star just because they crammed a lot of story into four and a half minutes. I said one, so, too. Yeah, no, nothing nothing right home about, that's for sure. Also, I don't do Speaking, half stars, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> I'll do half stars. I'm not going to get weird, but I'm not going to get as granular as um, as uh, Meltzer with, you know, fourth stars and whatever. It's like, no, it's either it's either going to be one, one and a half or two. Like it's there's like, that's it. (laughs) Well, for me, real quick, going off that, I'm like at four and a half. What stops from being a total five? That's what I'm like. No. okay. (laughs) Yeah. I get that. But uh, speaking of nothing to write home about, uh, up next we've got the team of Too Much, who was Too Sexy Brian Christopher and Too Hot Scott Taylor. They would eventually go on to be Too Cool and actually be very charismatic as them. This was not this time. They took on the team of Al Snow and Head. Yes, Al Snow's tag team partner was a mannequin head. And the special guest referee was Jerry the King Lawler. So JR called this match by itself yay this match went on for eight and a half minutes the story of the match is that jerry lawler's he had a hatred for ecw and al snow was just coming back after main eventing an ecw pay-per-view so this is what i you know, think now think about it real quick i think al, al snow was the the trade for uh uh too cool scorpio to go back i think yeah yeah you're on that I mean, Al, I'm sure, got, well, not even, not even, I'm sure. I can guarantee Al got the better payday, but as far as he had to work with. Um, <laughs> well, at least the check cleared. The but... Yeah, that is true. But yeah, he just comes off main eventing a pay-per-view for the world title. He comes back. He's teaming with a mannequin head to take on too much. Woohoo. You know, we can say that, but that mannequin head was freaking over, so. It was, but dang. 
Uh, I have a Jax figure of him, by the way, with a mannequin head. That figure was pulled off shelves because mothers complained that it looked like a severed head. It was freaking stupid. This was Mick Foley pointed out. He was like, this toy is right next to the other toys from the movie Sleepy Hollow with literal severed heads in the package. Yeah, but Sleepy Hollow wasn't popular on TV. Yeah, that's the argument, I guess. But this was freaking stupid. But I do I do have a figure. I I also have a Jack's figure of uh, Brian Christopher. (laughs) I don't have too uh, much. Wish I did. I don't have a Scott Taylor or a Scotty Too Hottie, whatever you want to call him, but I do have Brian Christopher. I do have Jerry Lawler. I have two Jacks figures of him. Uh, but yeah, so like I said, Jim Ross is alone on commentary for this. Uh, the oh, the the two stories here was Lawler's hatred for ECW and the ongoing story about them bringing up that Brian Christopher was actually Jerry Lawler's son and Lawler continuously denying it. <laughs> So, yeah. and then they were trying to figure out, well, then why do you have favoritism towards him? Oh, because he's a great wrestler, blah, blah, blah. My favorite line never was Jim Ross, just like so casually. Oh, this kid, Brian Christmas, some people say he got a bad break at birth, but I don't know. <laughs> like, holy crap. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Uh, obviously, Brian Christopher left us way too soon. Um, you know, died in, died in jail. That, that was unfortunate. I was hoping that he would, you know, pull the nose up on that before he died, but... You know, his demons, as they say, got the better of him. And yeah, and got Taylor still out there doing stuff. Al Snow, Terry Lawler's still out there wrestling, which is just mind blowing. What a uh, stance in his heart, by the way. Yeah, that's, I would think that just be like, uh, no, I'm done with anything. But you know. Oh, yeah, I'd be sitting my butt down. But, you know, good for him, I guess. Uh, the crowd is deader than Kelsey's nuts for this match, by the way. Uh, in the end, let's get to the end. We have to. In the end, Lawler handed Brian Christopher a bottle of head and shoulders shampoo. They put the head <laughs> on the bottle, laid it down. Christopher pinned the head for a three count. This was embarrassing. Uncle I'm gonna, Dave. I'm going to give it one. I'm going to give it one star only because I thought it was funny as hell with Halala reprimanding the head. <laughs> yeah, I gave it one star. Uncle Dave gave it negative two stars. I th- see. My thing is, I only gave it one star because the wrestling in the match was good. Lawler's comedy was OK. It wasn't stru- stupendous, but it, I mean, some of it made me giggle. Um but the ending was just embarrassing. J- Jim Ross said he was embarrassed to have to commentate this this mess. And and you can always tell when he really hates something as he says, well, that's the first time we've seen anything like that and most likely the last time. You think at that time he'd have a say in something, but... Jim, Jim Ross or yeah. Jerry Lawler? Ross. Jim didn't have a say in crap, as you can tell by when he talked, you know, his podcast... Uh, but up next, we got X-Pac with China. We see a lot of China on this show, by the way. Uh, X-Pac with China. Well, there's a reason for Owen that. Hart. Yeah. But he's taking on Owen Hart. And eight, uh, this match gets 8 minutes, 30 seconds. Decent amount of time. This is part of the DX versus Nation of Domination feud. Was Owen a part of the Nation at this point? Yes. Okay. Uh, I have a Jax figure of him, by the way, in this danger sign outfit. 
And I have a, a Jax figure back. of X-Pac. Yeah. And I have a, I have a Jax figure of X-Pac in this, uh, in this outfit, too, the red one. Mark Henry runs out at one point, and he splashes X-Pac outside the ring when the ref is distracted. China then gets in Henry's face before Vader rushes out, and he nails Mark Henry and hilariously falls backward right onto his ass. Uh, Seems to be a thing with Vader in the WWE. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I know. Like, what happened to him? But uh, this, this, it's this funny, though, distracts. Looking oh, at these two, it's like you think this would be a far better match. I thought it was really good, but uh, yeah, they had to it's have some the best match so far. But yeah, they had to have a ton of shenanigans, overbooked the crap out of it, and it ruined it, in my opinion. But anyway, this all distracts the referee while Owen has a sharpshooter locked in on X-Pac. China runs in, hits Owen with a DDT. X-Pac covers him and gets the win. And it seems like Owen always had to do the J-O-B for DX. That's the only thing. I really hated that. Well, he was the heart that stayed. Yeah. Well, Uncle Dave gave it one, er, I'm sorry, two and one-fourth star. I gave it two and a half stars. Solid two. Best match so far. Yeah. It's not saying much, but you are correct. Uh, Then Paul Bearer comes out next to cut a promo showing a replay of The Undertaker busting into his house and beating his ass. (laughs) I had had forgotten about that. Uh, He says that Kane grew up alone, idolizing The Undertaker, watching him on Superstars, wanting to be him. And Paul finishes by saying that tonight will be the happiest night of his life when his, his son Kane becomes a WWF champion. So... Yeah, there's there's another hyping of the main event as if we really need it. Again, this pro, like to your point, this promo could have been done on on heat. Yeah, I don't know. Now, but this also, match, why do they make him call himself the Fat Man? Yeah, he said he'll be. You won't be laughing at the Fat Man anymore, or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> According to Bruce Pritchard, they weighed him. Every I think he was one of the ones they weighed every week and they bring in and he said, well, it wasn't to shame them, but it was the only thing that could accurately get their weight. They brought in like those those scales that they use for cattle and they made wow, really? him and Vader. Yeah. And he said they they made Vader stand on it and they made uh, uh, Paul Bearer stand on it. And Paul thought it was a joke, you know, to rib him. And Bruce said, no, we were concerned about his weight. And we were like, dude, we have to weigh you on this thing. You know, uh, quit eating. <laughs> so I don't know. But that's uh, that was according to, to Bruce Pritchard. Uh, this next match, in my opinion, was the best match of the night up until this point. It's the New Age Outlaws, Road Dog and Billy Gunn, again with China, defending the WWF Tag Team Championships against the new Midnight Express, Bombastic Bob and Bodacious Bart. They had Jim Cornette in their corner. They get a decent amount of time, nine and a half minutes. This, oddly enough, was the first time the WWF Tag Team Champions and the NWA Tag Team Champions had ever faced off in history, which, nice little footnote, but it's uh, it's really a shame that nobody gave a damn. <laughs> well, I think people would have gave a damn if it was a real Midnight Express, but... Uh, yeah, of course. That's a dream match right there, them and the Outlaws, but... Yeah, I'll say this. Um, 
I thought this was a great team. They should not have saddled them with calling themselves the new Midnight Express and calling them bodacious and bombastic. Stupid. Yeah. Also, uh, watching this back, I did, I just I realized this is a. Uh, I could be wrong, but this is like the first time the smoking guns were ever on opposite ends, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah, because there was a cool moment, and it didn't get it didn't get a whole lot of mention, but I thought it was a really cool moment where Billy and Bart came like face to face, kind of like forehead to forehead, yeah. like jaw jacking, and then they and then they start beating on each other. It didn't last for very long, unfortunately, but it was there. Uh, in the end, Billy goes for a pile driver, but Cornette comes in, smacks him in the back with the title, I, I believe. Uh, Billy still manages to kick out of a pin after that. Then Cornette threatens Gunn again with, with the title, and China comes in and low blows Corny. Uh, I could make a few jokes, but I'm not going to. Uh, both of the outlaws drop Holly with a double stun gun, and then Gunn pinned Bombastic Bob. And the outlaws retain the titles. Real name, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Dave gave this one and a half stars. I gave it two and a half stars. I really liked it. Again, we had to have, you know, I thought it was a ton two, of interference. Yeah. yeah. I, my, my thing is like every single match, somebody's interfering. It's overbooked. Every match. So it's meaningless. But, well, there's a match know, coming up where no one gets involved and, you know. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Well, this next match, uh, it's the finals of the King of the Ring tournament. It's Ken Shamrock versus The Rock. It gets plenty of time, 14 minutes, 9 seconds. China comes out for the third time in a row that night. Uh, but this time, she comes out to do commentary with Triple H. On commentary, Triple H makes a bunch of masturbation jokes, and China was on Spanish commentary, and they asked what she was saying, and he made a kind of a racist Taco Bell crack. <laughs> it's like they're like, "What's she talking about?" He's like, "I don't know, saying something about I want Taco Bell." I'm like, "Oh my, this is really bad." <laughs> but yeah, Triple H's commentary. Can't blame Russo for that one either. I'm almost certain. No, yeah, no. But yeah, Triple H's commentary consisted of a bunch of masturbation jokes. That's all it was. And then, like, at one point, he gets off commentary, and when he comes back, he says, testes, testes, one, two, three? <laughs> that one made me laugh. I'll say that. But, I, dang, what's my, like, there's a ton of dick jokes. Uh, but getting into the actual match, The Rock gets out of the ring walks over to Triple H, and Triple H takes a swig of water and spits it in his face. Uh, in the end, Ken Shamrock forced The Rock to submit to an ankle lock, so he becomes the 1998 King of the Ring, no crown, no sash or uh, cloak or whatever the hell. I, I'm sure he wasn't, you know, upset about that one. <laughs> I think Uncle him Dave. and Billy Gunn are both in the running for the most forgettable King of the Ring ever, by the way. <laughs> The only reason I remember him being King of the Ring is because of this event as a whole. Is, is that fair to say? Yep. Yep. Uncle Dave gave this three and one four stars. I just rounded up and gave it three stars. Uh, same. Yeah. I thought this was actually the best match tonight. Now. Yes. Yes. This was really, really damn good. Uh, we finally. Ken Shamrock, by the way, very underrated as a wrestler, I think. Oh, yeah, he was fantastic. I, I thought he was great. 
Jim Ross said the only reason they didn't push him more was because he wasn't dedicated to wrestling. He still had aspirations of going back to the UFC. Um, and never won another would. fight again. So it makes you wonder why. Yeah. Well, and then he said, uh, he said Shamrock wasn't reliable. Like he no showed a bunch of, uh, house shows. He would show up late to TV tapings, stuff like that. So he was like, well, we're not going to invest our time into a guy that we can't rely on, which makes a lot more sense now as to why they didn't push him. Cause I think he could have been, you know, a top, like maybe not the top guy, but I think he could have been, you know, a main event top guy. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. And now during the Tempur-Pedic Summer of Sleep, all Tempur-Pedic mattresses are on sale with savings up to $500 on adjustable sets. Get your best sleep all night, every night. Learn more at tempurpedic.com. <sighs> The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. But, uh, yeah, now's the match everybody wants to hear about, Greg. The Undertaker versus Mankind, Hell in a Cell, tons and tons of time, 17 minutes and 38 seconds. And we, we know this has been done to time. death, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just kind of hit the highlights here. Undertaker was wrestling this match with a broken ankle, I believe. And I think he had hurt ribs that he was like putting a Kevlar vest over. Uh, I believe this was the time. Even more so, crazy, the fact that he had a broken ankle and climbed a damn cage twice. <laughs> yep. And this was before they put the footholds in it. So yeah. they were literally climbing a cage. <laughs> Foley said it, it was so difficult to get up there, especially with as heavy as he was climbing that thing. He said he couldn't feel his fingers by the time he got up there. Well, there's that. Well, how little do we know? That'd be the least of his problems. <laughs> All right. Uh, it all started on top of the cell with Foley in a chair, Foley threw the chair up there, or excuse me, Mankind, whatever, threw the chair up there, and he climbed up. Mankind got chucked off through an announce table, as we all know. This elicits one of the most famous calls in wrestling history from Jim Ross, where he said, good God almighty, they killed him. As God is my witness, he's broken in half. He, I think he has a t-shirt that says that, by the way. I would not uh, doubt it. He's taken away on a stretcher, Mankind, that has pronouns, pal. Uh, mankind's taken away on a stretcher, gets off the stretcher, runs back, and climbs back on top of the cell, and then he gets choke slammed through it. That chair that he threw up there earlier came down, smacked him in the face, and knocked a tooth or two out. Uh, this elicits another famous call from Jerry Lawler, where he says, "That's it, he's dead." Uh, he what? Like, What's scary I, about that is Lawler's kind of calm about it. But looking back, yeah. I think I don't think he was calm. I think he was like genuinely worried and he just didn't want to yell. Yeah. Well, <sighs> Mankind said he or Mick Foley, whatever I said, he asked the Undertaker later. He's like, so what did you think looking down at me? He's like, I thought you were dead. <laughs> I'm like, damn. 
Yeah. Oh, no big deal. I thought you died. You know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, um... We all die, right? <laughs> if you can't mourn forever, because Terry Funk comes in. Right. Uh, this, uh... Terry Funk comes in to kind of buy some time while, you know, Mankind is trying to get his wits about him, which he never fully does. He, he does enough to finish the match. But this was not, like, part of the, the the plan, by the way. Terry Funk just improvises. He comes in and he takes a choke slam from the Undertaker. Undertaker literally choke slams him out of his sneakers. His yeah. old man sneakers, uh, by the way. And you're not you're not lying when you say literally. <laughs> yeah, his old man sneakers went flying. But yeah, uh, and if you want to know what I mean by old man sneakers, go back and look at just ooh, this was. He was dressed like he was getting ready to grill up a mean burger for the family. Oh, he might have been. Uh, mankind pours thumbtacks all over the mat. Undertaker choke slams him onto them. And then the Undertaker finally pins him with, uh, pins Mankind in the end after a tombstone pile driver. Uh, Uncle Dave gave this four and one four stars. I did not think so highly of the match because it was just a car crash. I gave it one and a half, or, I'm sorry, two and a half stars. I gave it three it was, for entertainment purposes. Yeah, it was definitely entertaining. I'll say that. But as a match, meh. Later, um, I guess, you know, Mick Foley was obviously pretty messed up after this. And he kept asking uh, Undertaker and others. He was like, hey, um, he's like, I forgot to use the thumbtacks. Meanwhile, they're pulling thumbtacks out of his back as he's speaking. And they're like, man, no, Jack, you, you used them. He's like, oh, did I? Good. <laughs> Good? I, yeah. I just, this was guy's life's on the line. And he's like worried about using thumbtacks. I just, wow. I know. This was, this was not the last of Mick Foley we'd see this, by the way. So, it's even more crazy when you say that, though. <laughs> How is this not the last we didn't see of them? <laughs> I know. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Uh, the main event, Stone Cold Steve Austin defends the WWF Championship against Kane with Paul Bearer. It's a first blood match. This one also gets plenty of time, just shy of 15 minutes. Uh, Austin had been hospitalized with a staph infection and spent a good portion of the week in the hospital, medical facility, pal, before this match. <laughs> <laughs> so that explains why Austin comes out to the ring with his elbow heavily taped up and he's got a huge uh elbow pad on. Uh it yeah, that's some that's some dedication, man. You know, pull your ass out of a hospital bed to go defend the world title in a first blood match. Ugh. Well, you know, not to downplay it, but it wasn't gonna really be a match, right? It was more like a fight, so yeah, I think it had it been a match, you might have been more of a problem. To be fair, 
Yeah, still, I, it's just like that's that's dedication. Which the I don't think I could have done it. I'll be honest, but yeah. Well, the last two matches have involved somebody who's been gimped. Think about that. <laughs> Not only been gimped, but like damn near more killed. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's nuts. But Kane, uh, Kane debuted his full body like double arm suit in this match. And here's how I remember this, because as a kid, uh, I do you remember the days of pay-per-view where you could like tune into the pay-per-view channel. And if you tune it just right, you got somewhat of a visible picture. I do. Yeah. OK, well, I did that as a kid and I could see just enough where I'm like, what the hell? I, I keep in mind, I'm seven and I'm like, how's he going to make Kane bleed? His entire body head to toe is covered. Except for his hand. Literally, his left hand was the only thing showing. By the way, I have a Jax figure of this game. So, oh, he had, he had a neck. Yeah, yeah, he slit his throat, bro. <laughs> Gone forever. But, uh, yeah, so Kane actually had the Hell in a Cell lowered at one point, and he tried to basically kill Stone Cold by holding him under where the cell was going to lower and he was going to choke him to death. A lot of, a lot of attempted murder in this match. Mankind. I don't think I'd want to do that, man. Cause like, what if that thing like accidentally falls or something, man? Yeah. Or if, you know, the, the thing malfunctions and it really comes down on top of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Too risky for me. But mankind actually did a run in with a chair and he got a stone cold stunner for his troubles. The Undertaker then comes out, swings a chair at mankind, misses and cracks Austin in the skull. This busts him wide open. Taker then fought with Kane and mankind before the referee was out, by the way. I, I forget what part of the match the ref got bumped, but he's out. So to revive him, the Undertaker grabs one of those gas cans at ringside and pours, allegedly, gasoline all over the referee to wake his ass up. <laughs> that's how you wake someone up, though, right? Uh, oh, yeah, that's right up there with smelling salts. <laughs> but then Austin picked up a chair or picked up that chair from earlier, cracks Kane in the head, knocks him out. Earl Hebner sees the blood pouring down Austin's face and he calls for the bell, awarding Kane the match and the title. This match, uh, Uncle Dave gave it three and one four star. I gave it three stars even. What about you? I'm on the fence between two and three. I don't think it was a good match, but I think it accomplished a lot. So I might say three for that reason. To be fair, it was never to be fair, it was never gonna be a match. So I mean you have to take that into account too. Um, Yeah, I think this is a great brawl. I'll say that. The next night on Raw, just to wrap it up, the next night on Raw, uh Kane puts the world title on the line against Austin, doesn't he? Yeah. Loses it. And then I believe the same exact thing happened to the Undertaker well, not exact, but close enough. The same thing happened to the Undertaker one year later, right? Yep. Again, the night after King of the Ring, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So he wins it, puts it on the line, loses it. So he gets a 24-hour reign. I, I, It's just... The constant title switches like that was stupid, in my opinion. Well, what's just, the, the common denominator, though? 
Austin or Russo? One Russo. Of well, Russo wasn't around the next year, was he? Oh, yeah, he left. He left. He left in October next year. Yeah. Yeah. So, bro, it's just a prop, bro. Nobody cares. <laughs> Real quote. Yeah. The final grade for the pay-per-view wrestling DVD network gave it 7.5. I also gave it a 7.5 out of 10. What say you? Uh, yeah. I'm like at a six. Oh, uh, you're going to drop it down to a I thought, six, eh? I thought it was a good pay-per-view, but I watch it for wrestling. I would say the high yeah. points being Shamrock and Rock and Owen Hart and Xbox. Obviously, the sales and stuff were like the most memorable, but wrestling-wise, mm-hmm. those two were the best. Yeah. Now, I will say this, memorable-wise, a solid 10. You know, like, this is one that gets remembered. Yeah, well, it, it definitely does. Very memorable show. Uh, we're still talking about it today and all the implications from it and whatnot. So, like, Foley City can't ever go to a convention or anything without at least one question from it. So, that tells you Perry's legacy alone. Oh, yeah. It's uh, very, very memorable. Uh, no, no doubt about that. But yeah, so um, that that about does it for our show today, man. Uh, we got in a lot of news and notes, got in a lot about the show itself. All right, well, next week we are traveling a little bit further back in time. We're going to cover another great June pay-per-view that actually had more important stuff on it than I, than I realized because I'd never seen the show before. It was WCW Great American Bash 1996. We were just one month away from... One of the biggest heel turns in wrestling history, if not the biggest, where Hulk Hogan turns on WCW and the and all the Hulkamaniacs, brother, and he <laughs> forms the NWO. You can stick it. <laughs> all all you fans are just like this trash right here in the ring. Uh, and then as we travel into July, we are going to be covering some July themed stuff. But I also wanted to cover the famous. NWA, WCW, well, I guess it was just WCW, uh, Trilogy from Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. July 1st, we're going to cover Chi-Town Rumble 89. July 8th, we're going to hop into WC, or excuse me, ECW for Heat Wave 1999. Uh, for July 15th, we got Clash of the Champions 6. And uh, July 22nd, we got one of the greatest in-your-house events of all time, WWF In-Your-House 16, Canadian Stampede from 1997, and then wrap-up July, we got Russell War 1989. That was the conclusion of the Flair Steamboat Trilogy, where they kicked off the Flair Funk feud that will continue on through the rest of the year, and uh, I believe into the next year, if I remember correctly. But yeah, so that's all coming up here on Main Event Marks. Anything you have to say to close out here, Greg? That's a great lineup, so it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, coming in August, by the way, we need to do our SummerSlam that we went to, by the way. That is, uh, yeah, that is something we definitely need to look at uh, because we're, we're going to cover retro stuff. But when I say retro, that can be, you know, anything past a year old is is fair game i believe so you and i went to SummerSlam 2015 that was the biggest SummerSlam in history up until that point 
just because of the time limit and whatever. And they also um, had uh, the first ever NXT outside of Full Sail that night, too, or that that weekend. Yes, it was a huge weekend. It was a pretty amazing weekend. Oh, yeah. I still look back on it very fondly. It's still one of my favorite memories ever. Yep. You and I got to do a lot of cool New York stuff. First time meeting you, you know, uh, you know, in person. First NXT, Mm -hmm. you know, my first SummerSlam in 17 years. Uh, It was New York. Uh, Yeah, it was just an awesome, awesome weekend. Yep, a lot of good stuff. We definitely have to discuss that in August. We will get to that and so much more. Any requests, let us know on social media. Again, Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at main event underscore marks. Uh, I would like to, um, for help with the notes, I want to give a shout out to the Wrestling Observer uh, or Wrestling Observer Newsletter or whatever. Um, Wrestling DVD Network, 411 Mania, Wrestling20Years.com. Those, uh, those, all helped me with my notes today and in the future, I'm sure they will along with Wikipedia, you know, because Wikipedia is always correct, Greg. Again, I've, I've said this and I, I says until the day I die, it's always correct. If it's on the internet because you can't put stuff on the internet. If it's not true. Exactly. Just remember that people. And we will see you next week. It's WCW great American bash 1996 later on later. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 